This is Uncommon Profit. My name is Flipman Dan, reselling and side hustle expert. And each week we interview leaders in untraditional niches making shocking income. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get it. Jacob Owens cut his teeth in the film industry, making music videos for local artists in Tempe, Arizona. His passion and undying drive for the visual medium catapulted his YouTube channel, The Buff Nerds, to over 800,000 subscribers and hundreds of millions of views. Along Jacob's journey, he has built three complementary companies in his film niche that have been wildly successful. In this interview, we discuss his humble beginnings, the philosophies of being a successful entrepreneur, and many lessons he's learned along the way, solving problems and becoming a thought leader in film. And now, Jacob Owens. What's up, everyone? It is Flip Man Dan with another episode of Uncommon Profit. And today we have a very, very special guest, Jacob Owens. He is a director, entrepreneur. You know, he, he's a master of marketing. He's got a lot of different companies that he has built over the last 10 years. And it's great to have you on here today, Jacob. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey man, so we are both uh, Sun Devil alum. Uh, you yeah. graduated, we graduated pretty much around the same time, both yeah. with a film background. So uh, can you tell me after you graduated, when did you know that you didn't want to necessarily get a job and how did you know that you wanted to start a business? Well, I think it was actually like right before I even graduated, like I wanted to drop out of ASU. Like I went, I went and was going there for film and I started kind of already while I was in college, getting a pretty popular name for myself on YouTube and as a filmmaker. And I, would, I was missing out on so many opportunities in LA because I was like still in school. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, mom, I just need to, I need to drop out so I can just go full bore at this, you know, with like just production and film production and stuff. And she made me finish. Um, and I'm glad she did just, just to say, you know, I finished college. Um, but, um, yeah, and it was right after that, like maybe six months or so I moved to LA and went full bore in just film video production. And that's all I did at the time, you know, and I did kind of have a little side hustle, like selling little things related to film and video on my online, like online personal store and whatnot. But at that time in 2013, when I moved out to LA, it was solely like video production, make, you know, client hires me to make video, make the video onto the next one. So, um, but that's kind of when, yeah, I mean, there was never any other plan or option for me. It was always just that. And then ultimately that led into everything that I do now. So. Great, man. So what made you take the jump into LA? Uh, you know, obviously it's the, the Mecca of filming, but you know, some people might be like, a little hesitant because there's so much production happening there that they might get lost in the shuffle. I think I had it a, a, a little bit more of a leg up because I already had a pretty solid name for myself and following and was getting opportunities in LA that I was missing out on. Like, Oh, you're in Arizona or you're from Arizona. Let us know when you're in LA, let us know when you're like this. So I knew the opportunity was already there. I was already having to like say no, or wasn't getting a certain job or getting that meeting because I'm in Arizona. So I just, I kind of knew it gave me a little bit more comfort in going like, okay, if I go there and I, you know, I know kind of right away, I'll have some stuff cooking. Um, whereas I know it could probably be scary for someone else where it's like, 
you have no name and you're to move to the city and try and make something happen. So I think I had a little leg up in that way, but it's still not to say that wasn't, it wasn't scary at all. I mean, it was like, I'd never lived more than five minutes from home. You know, even ASU was down the street from my house. So to just go somewhere all by myself, like, all right, this is what I'm going to try and do for my career. And it was certainly scary regardless of even already having like those, those calls or whatnot. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a little nervous. I remember literally like after my parents moved me in and they left, there was like that first month or two, I was like, like really doubting myself. Like, damn, did I make the right decision? Cause I'm such a homebody too. So I think I was like already homesick and I was like, just like, damn, is this the right decision? Will it work out? Well, and, and, you know, I just put my head down and you know, it worked out. So. So yeah. with buff nerds, did you originally start out saying, okay, I'm going to build an audience or I'm going to use this to get clients and make music videos. What was the original intent? With everything, Buffett? everything happened so organically. Like I, it wasn't like I was trying to do anything. And I think that's why it worked. Like I was literally just making music videos for artists. But at the time, I think in 2011, like, like a lot of these independent artists didn't have their own YouTube channels or their own things. And so by doing a couple music videos locally for an artist that I'm friends with and putting it on my YouTube channel and then another artist hitting me up to do a video and I do that video and put it on my YouTube channel. I just, I just innately grew this following for like the guy who does music videos, but his music videos are sick. And he also shows behind the scenes of how he makes his videos. And it just kind of like, like I was never intending to try and do any of that. It was just kind of happening and it was just like fun and I was doing it. And, um, but there was never, yeah, any sort of like game plan or intention of like, yeah, it just kind of all just fell into place and happened organically as I was like recognizing things like, oh, like there's like, I'm starting to make money here and grow a big following based off these music videos and stuff. So I'd reach out to more artists and be like, hey, I'll do your music video and we can put it on my YouTube channel. I get a million views a month, which turned into two, five, 10. Next thing you know, we're average, I'm averaging like 15, 20 million views a month back in, you know, I think, 2014, 2015. And it just kind of became a, a thing. And then people started recognizing me and knowing me as like the buff nerd, like the guy who does all the, you know, so I don't know, it just happened so organically, but it was never ever my intention to do YouTube or do YouTube videos or do even music videos. Like I went to film school to make films and it just kind of happened. So, um, yeah. Wow. So you like followed the passion and then the, income came later, I guess. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think with anything, it's like recognizing the opportunities along the way. Right. Like, so I was getting asked all the time on YouTube in the comments and, and on Facebook, Instagram wasn't as popular then as a place to like share work and stuff. It was more of still a personal thing, um, which it did grow a little bit more into the business side of things then too. But I would get questions all the time. How do you do this? How do you shoot? How do you color this and that? And it was recognizing, Hey, there are so many people asking me these questions. Let me write a book about how like answering these questions and sell it. And then that created like the first buff nerds, JOP super duper video manual, which made me like good money, but was a catalyst of like the YouTube stuff and getting all of these questions and whatnot. And so it's like recognizing those opportunities along the way, just like with the music videos, I was like, Oh, opportunity here. Like all these artists want music videos. They don't have a platform. I'll be the platform. So I'm, you know, it's just like, as you go, just recognizing certain opportunities and then just like capitalizing on it. You know what I mean? So. 
Yeah, before even like digital assets or, or just assets were like this buzzword, it seemed right. like you noticed. Oh, 2000, yeah, 2011, 10 years ago, I was putting out digital assets like LUTs, presets, you know, uh, my digital book guide. Like I had some merch and stuff too, but like, yeah, I had my own little kind of like digital online store, which ultimately led to one day down the road wanting to make it more official, which led to like Tropic Color and building Tropic Color. So yeah, um, it was just, yeah, recognizing like, hey, there's something people want here and, you know, I'm gonna create something for them and give it to them. You know what I mean? So Seems like yeah. you, you are like really on top of building these, these brands and first people that are interested in say building a brand or building passive income, what would you kind of give to them as, a, as advice to where to get started? I think the first thing is it's like recognizing like a passion and a, and a kind of a, you know, I, you can't, in my opinion, you can't pursue something as like a, a business or a side hustle. If you have no interest in it, right? Like, I think it's got to always stem from something that you're interested in and that you like and enjoy, like all the, all of my various like hustles and businesses or whatever you want to call them stem from me having a desire or interest in that field. Right. And then it's makes it easier to make that thing so much more like successful or to want to wake up and work on it every day. And like, but if it's something that you like, don't really have a lot of interest in, you're like, Oh, I can make money here though. It's just harder to really build and grow that thing. It might feel inorganic or you might, you might be making decent money or good money eventually, but you just like, it's a, like, ah, I got, I don't want to do this today. Like, but you feel like you have to, cause you want to grow and build it. So everything I've done has come from just recognizing those, you know, those gaps in the marketplace or opportunities. And the same thing with like Tropic Color, how we started Tropic Color was after the book Tom and I wrote um, and was, you know, selling just LUTs and presets, very like more basic end stuff. I remember I used film grain on all of my like videos. And so, but it was like, there was like a weird niche where it was like, it was so expensive to get it and there wasn't an affordable option. And then that was like the case for so many different things. I was like, I could build this and offer it at a more affordable cost to the general public rather than like these corporate companies that have big budgets. And that's my little gap and niche. I'll create, you know, these products undercut everyone and, and then, um, you know, sell that stuff. It's stuff I would use anyways, it's, it's stuff I use anyways. I'll just create it, create my own version of it and sell it. And so it's like, same thing with prism lens effects. It was like always an issue or struggle on set to hold mount, use random glass objects. And it's like, Oh man, there's no way to, there's no mountable prism. There's no way to mount a prism. There's no way we got to figure this out just because it was something that we were already kind of doing on set, but there was a problem there. There wasn't a full solution. And so we created the solution and release that. And, you know, then that kind of took off and then it was like, all right, what else could we make? But so it's like always stemmed from kind of a, a problem, right? I think with any sort of business or invention that becomes successful, there's a, there's an obvious, like obvious kind of like little hole or gap in that marketplace. And you just have to identify that, fill it, and then, you know, run with it. But I think personally for me, it's always been stuff that like interests me. Like I couldn't imagine, like if there's some sort of gap or hole in the makeup market, like makeup world or whatever, like, and I tried to start a business around that, the chances that that thing would be successful are slim to none. Just cause like, it's like, what do I know about makeup? I have no interest in it. I wouldn't want it. Like, 
I don't know, it'd be hard to build and grow that business without someone who actually knows their shit about makeup, who loves makeup, who could promote, you know what I mean? So I think it just stems from being interested in it and also finding that little, like what's wrong here, what's the problem and how can I solve it, you know, and give people a solution. So. Gotcha. So problem first, then bring the solution and then couple that with your passion. Those are some great words of advice there. So something like prism lens effects, I mean, it's not easy to start just selling hard goods, or at least it seems right. it's not easy. No. Yeah. Um, how did you crack that nut with like actually inventing these things and then not only inventing them, but like producing them and selling them at scale? I think, well, the first one was putting up a lot of money to just uh, of our own money investing to do the R and D and like buy the actual equipment to like drill the glass the glue, try different glue, just all this stuff like that went into it. And then, you know, I mean, there's no guarantee that this thing is going to pop, but we invested, you know, our own money trying to figure it out. And then we, you know, started building it and selling it and then noticed like, you know, to keep up with demand, like we got to figure, we got to figure something out here. And like, cause we can't physically be like, cause time is money. And if we're just, 24 hours a day locked away in a warehouse building prisms. Like we can't continue to like come up with ideas for new products and build new products or whatnot. And so um, like then it was finding a team that could help us help us manufacture this stuff. And we come up with all the ideas and draft the the designs and then send it to them and then they can make it for us. And you just kind of slowly start to figure things out and grow. Initially it was a big investment and us working nonstop to grow it. And then, you know, eventually you start to turn a little bit of profit and then just reinvesting back into itself. And now we're in a good spot and, and it's doing well, but you're always kind of reinvesting back into, you know, your companies. That's the only way to, to really grow it. If you're just like taking all of the profit, keeping it for yourself, like there's no way you can like keep leveling up. So, um, it was just always, you know, taking a bit of the profit we made and like, all right, we're going to use this money to now, buy new materials and develop a new product. And you just kind of keep like climbing the ladder, if you will, that way, you know what I mean? But it, it always is going to initially with a, you know, a hard, good service, take some, a lot of, you know, money and investment and time up front to, you know, to get it to where, you know, it needs to, to be and go. There's no way around it. Prism has been a crazy journey thus far. It's only two years old too, which is the crazy thing. Like it's, I think we started in 2019. So yeah, that's incredible. I mean, but what a, what a success and, you know, putting that initial work and money up front is, uh, something that not many people are willing to do, but it seems that you have this knack for kind of starting and pushing this uphill. I I just think like, look, if it's something that I'm having issues or problems with, and I would want it, I know everyone else will want it too. Right. Cause it's like, I, it comes from a place of knowing this is an issue for me. And if I would use this, if I would buy this, like, then that means many, many other people will too. So I think I kind of analyze it that way and have trust and faith that like, look, if I build this and put it out, like it, the, the time investment upfront doesn't really scare me as much because I just, I kind of know that like, like I said, if I would want it and need it, thousands or millions or whatever of other people are going to want it and need it too. So, um, that's just, yeah, that's how I try and look at it. Um, and just, especially with even just the filmmaking photo creative kind of marketplace, like it's just growing and growing every year. You just have, you, you now have like 
10 year old kids that are wizards at after effects and have a camera and can shoot, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like also tapping into a market that's also growing. Like you don't want to tap into a market that's dying, you know, or like slowly fading away and going away. And so that was, you know, another thing is going like, okay, this is, you know, there's a lot of future growth potential here just by even looking at that. So yeah, that, that, yeah. that's very true, man. And, and, uh, one of the things I think that you excel at, uh, incredibly is if someone even thinks about the word filmmaking, they're going to see one of your ads. I mean, your, your ads kind of pop up all over the place and, uh, your outreach and growth that way is pretty incredible as well. Do you have any words of advice for people that are marketing in the digital age now? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how it happened. It just kind of happened. And it's funny. It's probably some of the stuff that is probably out there. People think I'm attached to that. I'm not even attached to because people are just using my photos. Like, cause I have a bunch of my face and photos up on unsplash and companies are ripping, not ripping, but unsplash is a free like photo stock site. And so people use my face for whatever reason, I'm like one of the top most followed and downloaded users on the platform. And my face is all over my profile because it's my profile. And so people use photos of me all the time for, you know, their company's ads and stuff. And so I'm sure there's a lot of, yeah, my ads and stuff out there, but also a lot of, like, I have people that will like this morning, I had a bunch of DMS and stuff like, yo, do you see this company is using your face? I'm like, yeah, no, like it just, it, it just happens. And so, um, I'm not really sure how it happened. I think the easiest thing is to add, like, I guess what I could attribute it to is, um, adding value and information into people's life first. Um, like I think if you can really add value to people's lives, you know, whether that's like information or entertainment, they're going to want to follow you and your journey. And it just makes it easier for people to trust you and like latch on to what it is you're like selling and promoting. And so I think giving, giving information, adding value, showing people how to do things like rather than just always just like sell, 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 sell. Like it's like a balance, you know, like give people information and help them out, but also at the same time, Hey, I'm selling this, you know? And so it's like, I don't know, finding that balance is important. And I think that's probably what's helped a lot too, is just, I've never, I've always been an open book and shared everything. And then it's like, Hey, support me by, you know, buying this product for me as well. Like I share all this, you know, I don't know, maybe that's, I don't know what exactly what the, why my stuff's everywhere outside of like, obviously we're paying to market the market, the stuff, like that's the easy answer. Like right. we're paying, we're paying, you know, to market our products and we are doing ads on the back end. but also I think, um, yeah, like what I just said, plays, plays a role into it all as well. So but. you found some success, obviously, uh, was it like a trial and error thing where you were putting money in ads in certain places and then you found some formula that hit? I think honestly, at first it was, yeah, just kind of doing it on my own and just trying new, trying things like on, with Facebook business manager and, and Instagram and, and testing just random different things with boosted posts and whatnot. But then like, ultimately it was just like, all right, I don't have time for this. And then it's just bringing on, for me, it was bringing on a good team that like they're wizards at it. You know what I mean? Like they just know more than I could ever know about it. And at the end of the day, like 
I don't, for all the companies or businesses, like I still want to make videos, do video production. If I'm just constantly bogged down by doing my own marketing, like every single day, like time is money. Like that's time away from me to like come up with new ideas, start to start developing and testing new products or going out and filming something or whatever. So like for me, where we really started to see growth in every single facet was bringing on like a marketing team that, you know, could help us grow. And I think that's what really helped us. So outsourcing what you don't want to spend your time on seems like getting yourself out of the job, not working in the job. Well, even like early with Prism, you know, it was like me, Tom and Chanel would take turns, like answering all like emails and stuff and doing like the customer service side of things. And it was just like, we started to realize like, yo, this is taking so much time away from us actually like building products, coming out with ideas for new ones or going and testing out some stuff on set, actually shooting. And so then it was like finding and hiring someone full time to answer emails and do customer support. And then that opened up the doors for us to like expand and grow and build and do more stuff. But yeah, so outsourcing the things that you really kind of don't want to do or take up, you know, a lot of your time that don't really go into expanding the business or, you know, or what you're trying to grow, um, and, and finding the people that can kind of handle that. So you can do the things you're good at to further, you know, take it to that next step or level. Yeah. So it seems like you, the big challenge or one of the big challenges for you is kind of your time and, and, and taking control of that. What does like a, you know, a, a single day for you look like with, uh, your time management and how are you spending your days? It's different every single day, every single day. It's like, you know, like this morning, like I wanted to wake up and go into the, my gym's right there and like work out. But then like all of a sudden this random zoom call that was urgent for prism came up and then we ended up on the call for an hour and a half. And then I had to like take care. We just got some new product in. So we had to try and talk to each other in a, the group team group text so that we could get product photos over to the person to add it to the website. And like all that just like randomly happened this morning and wasn't on the schedule yesterday. So all of a sudden my whole morning was inundated with that. You know what I mean? And then tomorrow it might not be that I might wake up beyond stocks and going like checking out all the stock market all morning long and then go work out and then go, you know, maybe write a treatment for a music video. It's just always, cause I do so many different things. It's always so different and every company or business or thing, you know, takes a different, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just always different, but I mean, my typical, my typical, I guess day would be wake up, you know, check the stock market, uh, like answer emails, do a little editing, like kind of check my to-do list for the day, work out, come back and then just grind on, you know, my home office, whether it's like edits for, you know, promo videos or, you know, music video, or, you know, um, just kind of just the work on Tropic, Prism, the film studios. I answer all Instagram DMs. I do all the posting, like for all the different companies that usually happens in the morning. And like then around like probably five or six, probably six, I usually like call it quits and then chill for the rest of the day or for the rest of the night. But that rest of the night is still like here and there, like answering random, you know, messages or, or things on Instagram and, and whatnot. But the, the majority bulk of my work, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a daily in the life thing when I'm not also working on set. Cause then there might be set days where my entire day is taken up by being on set and I don't do much of any of that stuff. So 
like I said, it's just, it's just always changing, but I like it. I think that's what it keeps things fun. You're never doing the same thing over and over and over. Cause even if you're doing something you like, eventually, like you kind of get tired of it, right? Like you want to switch things up. So I like the fact that I have my hand in so many different things. Cause it always makes each day unique and fun. You don't feel like you're necessarily in this like rut or routine where it's like, same thing, same thing, same thing, go to the office, work on this, come back. Like it's just always, always different and fun. So I, I like that. And I think that's how I grew up as a kid was just always building and creating things and doing this and doing that. I was never like, I used to make card games, board games, movies. I made, drew a magazine. I drew and designed my own golf course and like shoe line. And like, I, yeah, I got board games laminated in the closet I made as a kid. Like I just was always like making stuff and doing a bunch of different stuff. And I think that carried over into my adulthood and I just, I enjoy it. Sometimes it gets a little hectic and crazy, but it's um, for me, it keeps things fun, you know? Yeah. So it's not for everybody, but, uh, yeah. it seems like your, your lifestyle definitely fits your, your type of create creative mindset. So that's great, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> switching to, uh, some like maybe common mistakes that people make with either branding or entrepreneurship. What, what do you see sometimes people, uh, either screw up or could do better with when it comes to branding for us, it's finding I don't know what's unique about your company. Right. And like, so like with prism, like it's like kind of the idea of prisms are, you know, in the name, it's like they're colorful, right. They usually produce some sort of rainbow. And so kind of going off that, everything we wanted to do is going to be very like colorful and vibrant. And, you know, you see a lot of like product companies out there or filter companies that are like all product photos are on a white backdrop and just plain. And like, I don't know. So just like, tapping into what makes your company or business kind of unique. And like, same thing with like, you know, um, me as when I started the buff nerd, it's like, what, what's unique about me. And I'm like a athletic filmmaker, like I'm a buff, you know, nerd and just kind of tapping into that something unique that's true to me, but it's also like, not, you know, someone else isn't, isn't doing. And, and so I don't know, just trying to identify what's unique about your company and, and, going off of that and not also not trying to do what other people are doing. Like I don't follow anyone, right? Like I follow like 30 people and it's like, and same thing with our companies, but like my, I follow like my brother and my sister and my best friend, my mom, like, and I think that helps me with like not emulating or copying like what other companies are doing. And then it's all coming from like, what do I want, you know, this company to be or to represent. And so I don't know. It's, the one thing that I guess would be that I see is wrong or bad. Um, I mean, that's a tough question. Cause I don't really, you know what I mean? I don't really pay attention to that stuff. Like I don't, like I said, I don't really follow anyone for that reason. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So like you, you're keeping your, your vision focused on what you're doing. So uh, with what you're doing, what, what kind of entrepreneurial lessons have you learned along the way? I, for me, I've just seen what has worked the best. Um, we'll learn along the way is for sure to delegate. Like early on, I was such a control person, like control freak with every single facet. And so learning to relinquish that control and delegate, I wish I would have done that a little earlier on. Cause I think we would have grown faster, better, more seamless. But now it's like, 
doing that, I see like how much it really does open up the door. So releasing the reins a little bit and bringing in people that are great at each specific area that can handle that. And like me kind of stepping back, it also allows me to like come up with, you know, other ideas or things and freeze up like my bandwidth. So early on for sure, like delegation, um, was super important. And then teaming up with people whose visions that align with yours, like it's so important. I got lucky to, to link up with Tom and me. And he's like another, he's like a hipster version of me, if you will. Like, he's just like, but like the same work ethic, same creative drive and ideas. And like, that has really helped too. And, um, I can see how, like, if someone partnered up with the wrong person, you know, early on, like that could just like ruin the business or stunted. And so it's like super important, I think, to find someone who like, a hundred percent aligns with you and like your guys, your vision for the the future and the company and yourselves, um, you know, aligning with the right partners is important delegation. And then for me, what's always been super beneficial, I think with every company is just the openness with the, like the community always asking questions, you know, like, what do you guys want to see? And like, just really tapping into like, being open to hearing what others yeah, want to see in their opinions. And, and it, it also feels like then they're a part of that company in a way, like they, they have a hand in creating and building what you guys are, you know, doing rather than like, if I never answered any of the DMS, if we never answered like, Hey, what else, what other products do you guys want to see? Or what products do you like best? And then we know like, Oh, the majority of the people like this and, you know, let's build another product like that. Like some, I feel like some companies like are just not, tapped in at all to their customer base and are just kind of like, I don't know. So I think tapping into the customer base, really listening to them, asking questions, like builds a sense of community and, you know, makes them feel attached to our brand, but also gives us insight into the people that are buying our stuff. Like how else, what else could we make that they would want to buy? So I don't know. I think those are some things that I've, I've learned and have been super helpful those are three great lessons and yeah. they, they definitely apply to pretty much every single business. And right. one, one thing I'm curious about is, uh, you know, it seems like you, you've built uh, this entire, you know, brand ecosystem around your passion. Uh, right. Where do you see this going, you know, in 10 years, let's say, like what, what does the future hold for either all these I brands or, or you as an entrepreneur? Yeah. I have no idea. Cause I'm in like, I just kind of take it one day at a time. I, I do have like some grander plan, like, uh, like I would love to one day, right. Sell prism lens effects. So like have, have a major corporation or company come in and just be like, yo, like you guys, we just want to buy prism. And then like literally still be on the creative like team or board in some way, but literally like, I mean, I don't want to be probably like, I want to make movies one day. And like, this takes up so much of my time. It's hard to really focus on like, you know, coming up with ideas, writing scripts, doing a short, connecting with like finding, like pursuing that path. And so I would love to one day, like build this thing up and sell it off for X amount of millions or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and still have it be, and have it be like a recognized name and brand and company. And same thing with some of the other stuff we're doing too. But I'm always like, my future plans and goals is just to always keep creating. Like right now I'm working on a stock footage platform with this guy. We've been working on it for like a year. And again, that just stemmed from same thing. I've have 10 years of just like high quality red B roll footage of all the places and things I've shot and been. And it's like, all right, that'll be the base for the platform. And then we'll use our reach, my reach as a, as a filmmaker to get other people onto the platform. And it's like, 
um, kind of just always creating something new that, you know, um, makes life fun and interesting. Like there's no, my biggest plans, there's not like a, I don't know. There's not like an end goal for anything. It's just like always be creating building would love to one day like sell prism or, or maybe even tropic. And, and then obviously have like a movie on the big screen. Like those are just some of the goals, but, um, see, I yeah. mean, if someone's going to reach those goals, it's going to be you, man. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, a lot of people sometimes say that, uh, it can sometimes be harmful to make your passion a job because of like, it'll burn out your passion. Do you ever deal with that or what advice would you have? Yeah, I think, I think that's where I, I burned out a little bit in the actual film productions part of it. Like where I was just shooting music video after music video after music video. And I think that's what ended up stemming, you know, and really like led to kind of prism lens effects and pursuing that. And then the film studios, I haven't even touched on the film studios either. And like, just like, wanting to diversify myself. And, and so things are always fresh. Cause I think I did for, I mean, I'd probably shot a thousand music videos over the course of the last 10 years, you know what I mean? And so, uh, like I, I'll still do them if the right one comes along and I'm like, yeah, that'd be a fun one. I like, I'm down to do that or the film project or whatever. But I think I, you kind of do, I mean, it's like I said, no one wants to do the same thing day in, day out, day in, day out. So I think by diversifying and doing different things that has allowed me to like not burn out because then I can spend all this time working on this over here and then go work on film stuff for a week and then bounce over to here. And, um, so I think one of the keys, at least for me from to not like burn out or turn my passion into like what feels like a job is by, creating all these different things and just kind of having fun with it all. So the, I know we didn't even touch on the barracks and, and everything that you're yeah. doing with the, that side of the, the vertical integration of the entire yeah. film process. I just stemmed from recognizing an opportunity, right? Like I was like, shoot, like I'm always renting locations for filming. Why don't I just have my own location that I can use for my own sets, but also like make money on. And so I bought a house and cause I wanted a house in LA and I was basically, I had no expectations going into it. I was just like, I want to buy this house and I want other people to pay my mortgage for me. And then I'm living free in LA, but own a house and can shoot at it whenever I want for my own stuff. I was like easy, but it like took off and like, just like started getting booked all the time. Um, kudos to my wife for helping me like design it and everything. And, and, but then it was like, okay, there's something here. So then like jokingly, she was like, we need to get another one. I was like, yeah, we do. And so I just like went on Zillow and I knew I always, I thought it would always be fun to have like a desert film ranch and like put a bunch of crazy shit out there. And so I like found this like 40 acres of land out in the desert that had like a cabin on it already. And literally within the week bought that property um, and then started the eclectic West. And that was another film studio. And built like an airplane crash and just things I would want to shoot on. I was like, yo, it'd be sick if I could shoot like on an airplane crash. And I was just same thing thinking like, if I would want to shoot it, other people would too. I don't know where in LA you can just get an airplane crash set. So I was like, I'm gonna build it. And that was like the main draw there. And now we have a bunch of other sets. And then that led to my buddy, Tom being like, yo, I went, I want in on this location stuff. Uh, and so then we opened the barracks and then like, now that's like, now I think we have like six, 
five or six, five locations or six locations now or something like that. And, um, always looking to expand that. But again, it's just like, it's another fun business. I love creating spaces and then seeing what people come and film and create in the spaces I created. Like it's dope. And I get to use it for all my own productions, which saves me money. And it's just tight to be able to be, you know, let's go shoot at my film ranch today for this video or whatever. And, um, yeah, just again, create, it's just filling that creative thing that I said growing up, I was just always creating things and I just, it's fun and, and it's cool. And again, I think, uh, if you're burnt out in one area or kind of tired of doing this over here, now you have a whole nother thing that you can like focus and work on. And then you might be like, okay, cool. I'm done with that. Let's come back over to this thing. And, but, uh, no, the studio stuff's fun and it's always a, a blast to just see the work coming out of those spaces by other filmmakers and creatives. So, so are all of these things separate LLCs or do you have like yeah. a, yeah, it's great. I have like, I have like 14 cards in my wallet, like just different, like, uh, um, debit and credit cards and whatnot, but yeah, they're all, for the most part, they're all separate LLCs outside of like, we kind of have it split up where like a couple of the locations are under like an LLC called like buff nerd locations. And then I had already formed an LLC when I bought the first house, like, um, Jacob Owen studios. Um, and so like, um, yeah, there's two separate LLCs for like the various different studios and depending on, you know, um, each, each one's kind of under a different one, but it, it would be hard to like, like, as we keep expanding, you know, if one day we end up with 20 locations to just have 20 different LLCs would be kind of rough. So, um, yeah, we just kind of have it split up into two right now. We'll, we'll see if that changes in the future, but right now that works. Yeah. I could, <laughs> I could see, uh, kind of like the, alphabet owning Google sort of restructure in your future, some, somewhere right. where, where some LLC like owns everything or something like that. But right. Right. Yeah, but exactly. That's awesome, man. So, you know, thanks for covering all this stuff. And obviously uh, our audience is going to get a ton from this interview and uh, they're, they're interested in, you know, ways to make profit. So I know that you kind of touched on uh, side hustles and, and so, that sort of thing on your, uh, on your YouTube channel as well, what would be some sort of uh, side hustles that you would recommend to people to make some extra dough here and there? I mean, it just depends on kind of your, your, uh, I guess, position or like, uh, like, cause I can speak to the, the filmmaker video production creative side, right? Like I have so many side hustles in that, but I don't really have side hustles in like other areas, right? Like I don't make clothes, but if you know how to sew, you could do a side hustle and making some sort of clothes. Like if you have that skill. Uh, but for me, like, it's just, yeah, all the side hustles stem from things I like. One of my main side hustles too, I guess, if you will, is like real estate. Like I have a couple rental property, I guess you could, the film studios would also fall into real estate, but I have like two rental properties as well um, that are just like Airbnbs and like long-term rentals. And that's kind of, but I grew up like, watching HGTV and like house flippings and buying and selling real estate. So that was something that just kind of interested, you know, interested me. And I know it was like a good long-term investment. So I have that as a side hustle. I have, as a filmmaker, I sell stock footage on various platforms. You know, I have my own personal online store where I yeah, make digital assets or guides or sell like my knowledge in zoom calls or, you know, like a, a business consulting, you know, cause obviously like, I think I know what I'm doing in some of that stuff, you know what I mean? And so like, it's like, okay, 
well, I have that knowledge to offer to people. Like I could side hustle and like maybe a couple times a month do like business consulting things. So it's like just taking, just trying to analyze, like, what are you good at and how can I make money doing it? Those are great pieces of advice with uh, following your passion as well. And, and right. turning monetizing that, uh, right. which, uh, can sometimes seem daunting, but uh, yeah. if you just put a little yeah. action into it, it, it would definitely make it work. So uh, one of the things with uh, your your branding is that you, it seemed like you had early success with YouTube and uh, growing right. that, that YouTube uh, channel as well as multiple channels and that sort of thing. Do you have any advice for people trying to grow their, their YouTube channel and maybe some uh, pitfalls or something like that, that, that you uh, learned yeah. from the way? Um. I think one thing is just like, well, it's never too late to start something like that. Right. I mean, cause it's just like, you go through these cycles of like, you know, people want something new and fresh. And if you're giving something new and fresh and you're new, a new face and you're sharing information and value and helping people out, like you, you'll be able to start growing a following in that way. Right. For me, it's like, um, it's kind of tapered off for me just cause I haven't been able to give it the full attention. Like I used to, and maybe it's because I'm slightly older and like people are, you know, the newer audience and generation are gravitating to what's new on YouTube and I'm not new, you know what I mean? So, um, it's never too late to start. It's just, you gotta offer, you know, some sort of, you know, value or information in their life as to why they would want to follow and subscribe to you. You know what I mean? It's more than just like, you know, sharing cool videos or your work. Now it's like, you have to, like people are on YouTube to like learn stuff. Now it's like the number one place to learn something. So if you're trying to grow and start a YouTube channel, it's gotta be, I feel like based off of providing a lot of information and value where people can learn early days of YouTube. It was pure, like entertainment. It was just like the place to go watch funny videos, cool videos, whatever. And now it's almost like a giant, tutorial based, you know, kind of platform where it's just like people sharing information, how I do this, how I do this, like, and, and whatnot. So, um, I would say currently focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. Provide education. And, uh, if you can entertain them along the way, that's great. Right. Too. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. So thanks so much for your time, Jacob. Uh, you know, we learned a lot during this interview. Is there any final thoughts or any final pieces of advice that you have for uh, the budding entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, I think the sum I live by is just like constant creation, right? And I was talking to one of my mentors the other day and he was just like, I feel like, like I'm a lot like you in this terms of like when I didn't have anything going on or I didn't have a job or if I didn't have like, I was in between clients, like I was just like, all right, what could I make or do today that would be productive rather than just like waiting for that opportunity or call to come your way. So like creating, carving, carving your own path. Like when I was coming up and even to this day, it's like, if there's not much on the docket, it's like, all right, what could I do to be productive? And it's like, you know what, I'm going to make this new video of this. And I don't know, you just like, there's always something that could be done to progress. You know, even if it's, you know, reading a book to learn some new skill or whatever, just, you know, always trying to figure out what could I do or create to get better today. You know what I mean? So just, there's always something to be done to grow and get better. So not just like sitting back and being like, uh, I don't have anything to do today. And that's fine to have a day off or whatever, but you know, um, I'm not saying like every single day you have to do something, but definitely like actively, you know, pursuing like, all right, I don't really have much to do today, but I'm gonna find, I'm gonna find some shit to do. So 
Great, man. So where can the yeah. audience find you before we, we sign off, man? Probably mainly on Instagram. And I guess my Instagram and YouTube Instagram's at Jacob Owens. And then you could find all of my other, you know, Instagrams, businesses, accounts from there. It's all in my bio. And then YouTube would just be the buff nerds. Those are like my two most active kind of like platforms and where I post most of my stuff. So great. Well, thanks so much for your time. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate it and, uh, have a great rest of your week, my friend. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Uncommon Profit. Please subscribe on Spotify or YouTube and make sure to share this with a friend who would love to learn about ways to make an uncommon profit.